Thanks for checking out the Renew Life Church podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that today's message encourages you. In case you didn't know, one of the first times I ever preached at our church was about 2012 after my wife and I moved here. And Rick Smith, I think he's taken off so he can't get in trouble yet, but he helps walk with Pastor Braden, myself, other speakers, and he helps us get mic'd up. And he's micing me up, and he just he tells me this interesting fact. He says, your underwear is inside out. <laughs> and I'm like, I know how to put my underwear on, number one, but number two, how come you're so deep in there? Like, how, <laughs> like how do you know like, that the tag... I'm pretty sure it was tagless underwear, but it's kind of besides the point. If Rick did that, he needs to be in Las Vegas. I just want you guys to know that's how we roll. It gets a little crazy around here. But uh, I want to say something else before we jump into the message. Last week, Pastor Braden shared an incredible message. I encourage you, if you weren't here, go listen to the podcast. I think it's pivotal to what God's doing, what God's saying. But we, we basically just made an, a, a charge and an appeal to our church to just ask for some more help. So we've... Uh, Obviously, been successful in a lot of things in this ministry, um, kids, worship, uh, life groups. We have all kinds of avenues, but we just wanted to put a little more attention with the kids. And so, in case you don't know, there's this whole church downstairs underneath you, and we have an amazing team of volunteers, but we were just asking for more people to sign up, and you guys responded. So uh, thank you for that. There was a huge response, and they had Kids Summer Jam this week with probably 70 to 100 kids running around and slime, and foam, and water. They got crazy at our office complex. So they haven't gotten in touch with you yet because they were all busy, all of our kids, staff, and volunteers with that. So expect a call as soon as tomorrow. They'll be reaching out to you guys if you filled out to help with kids. So thank you for doing that. You guys ready to move on? Why don't we pray? Then we'll jump in. Well, we just thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for what you're saying. We just submit to you right now. We receive from you, I, I receive from you, and just ask Holy Spirit to move in this place, speak as only you can speak, and more than anything, God, we just want, we want you to have your way. So we yield to you right now, in Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, amen. So I want to give you a couple of statistics and start by asking you this question. Did you know that most of the world population believes in God? Now, I didn't say most of the world population believes Jesus is God, but two people, if you ask, the majority of the world says, yeah, I believe in God. And we know that a lot of them believe in different gods and where Jesus may not be on the throne, but, but most of the world population believes in God. And so most statistics say about 14% do not believe in God, which would mean 86% of the world believes in God. Now, let me remind you, I didn't say Jesus. So we know the majority of the world doesn't believe Jesus is God. But here's another statistic. Most studies say that over 31% of adults who were polled, who were polled, are Christian. So over 30% of the world at least communicates and expresses that they are Christian and believe Jesus is God. So they're professing Christians. The Pew Research Center says that over 70% of polled American adults claim to be Christian. So roughly 7 out of 10 American adults believe in Jesus. How many of you agree that's pretty awesome? So that's a pretty good statistic, at least professing Christians. 7 out of 10 in America adults who were polled believe in Jesus. Now here's the thing. I, I think we can all say if, if they were truly living for Jesus, going after Jesus, and remember it's not about perfection, 
but it's about pursuit. So really pursuing Jesus that America might look a little bit different. Would you guys agree with that? So that leads me to this question. What's the point? What's the point of these statistics? The point is there's a big difference in believing in God or believing in Jesus and actually following him. So that's what I want to talk about today. There's a big difference. How many of you know Satan believes in God? He obviously believes in God. He was an angel in heaven. He clearly believes in him, but he obviously does not follow him. So there's a big difference between believing and following. Jesus isn't the way to believe. He's not the way to believe. He's the way to follow. He didn't show up, speak to Peter and Andrew, fishermen on their boat, and James and John, fishermen on their boat, and say, hey, leave your boat, get out of your boat, drop your nets, and believe in me. He said, hey, get out of your boat, drop your nets, leave your occupation, leave your family, and pursue me and follow me. It's a bit more of a heavy connotation. It's not exactly believing and just thinking. It's choosing to put, put some action in your step. The Bible says faith without works is dead. It's choosing to move. And that's what I want to talk about today because I just think it's, it's this bridge that if on one side of the bridge, if this side of the land is believing, the other side of the land is following. And we've been watching a lot of Jurassic Park, so I have a lot of images in my head. My four-year-old and two-year-old love it. I don't know what you think about that. They love Jurassic Park. And so bridges and rivers and mountains and all this. But if you're on this side where you say, you know, I believe in Jesus. I want to help you get to the other side. And so there is this bridge that you have to cross. And I think we'd all agree that the bridge is called faith. It takes faith to move. It takes faith to, to act and to move from believing to following. So what you have to know about faith is this. The essence of faith is trust. The Bible says that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. The word substance means submitted to, and the word hope really means trust. When you study it out, it's not like this fleeting hope. Like, I hope I marry a supermodel. I hope I win the lottery. I hope my husband loses his beer belly. It's not going to happen. It's just... He doesn't want to. It's not about that life. Just kidding. It's not this fleeting. That one really worked. You guys are like, I can relate to that completely. But it's not this fleeting hope. It's this deeply submitted, rooted, and planted trust. And many of you in this room have been married a lot longer than me. But I don't hope that my wife loves me. And I, and I, I want to be sensitive. I know there's all kinds of relationships and tension and things going on. But in my relationship, I don't hope that she loves me. I know. I know that she loves me because I have a deep trust. She's proven it over and over and over. She still washes our laundry. Like, that's a big deal in our house. There's a lot of smells that come through clothes with little boys. But she's proven it. All jokes aside, she's proven it over and over by being there, by being consistent, by showing me and proving it. So I don't hope, right? I don't hope. She loves me. I trust and I know that she loves me. So the bridge of faith is trust. So this morning, I want to talk about how to cross the bridge from believing to following. So we're not Jesus believers, but we're Jesus followers. You can't have faith in someone if you don't trust them. Therefore, you can't have faith in God if you don't trust them. So we have to develop this relationship. Some of you have heard this story. 
But a few years back, I was a junior, or going to be a junior in college at Texas State University, and my mom's side of the family had a family reunion in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, in the Smoky Mountains. So my grandfather rented this beautiful log cabin, and uh, me and my brothers, my mom and dad, and then her side, the Polk family, her maiden name, all showed up in Tennessee. And there were many different activities. It was a beautiful log cabin, as I mentioned. It was just a blast. There's this one specific activity where you could choose to ride a horse on the mountains. And it was this horseback trail. And just so you know, you, you, have, to under, you have to know this before I proceed. One of my favorite movies growing up was A Man from Snowy River. But it was not because I related to him in any way at all. This guy who would ride a horse down the steep mountains. I told, the, I told all young adults when I preached this, I'm like, whatever is the opposite of the man from Snowy River, that would be me. So whatever name you come up with, like the boy from the country club, I did grow up in a country club. I was the opposite. I couldn't relate to this guy. I'd never been on a horse. I'd never been on a horse in my life. So I'm like, well, my girlfriend wanted to do it, some of my family. So about eight or 10 of us go on this horseback trail. And someone came up to me after first service, and they confirmed the same story. So just so you know, it's legit. There is this horse out there that I'm about to tell you. So I go on, we proceed, and I get on the last horse, and everybody is ahead of me. And this horse just doesn't care about his life. <laughs> doesn't care about his life at all. Surely does not care about me. So everyone gets on their horse. They begin to move, and my horse is like, some flowers over here, a little creek over. He's just wandering off the path just wandering off the path in the smoky mountains. Mountains with cliffs, like real mountains. And he's just wandering around. So the group starts going ahead of me. Remember, I've never been on a horse in my life. Still haven't <laughs> since then. I've never been on a horse in my life. And the group goes on 30 yards ahead, 40 yards ahead, 50 yards ahead. And I'm like, ah, excuse me. My horse isn't on the path. He's not moving. And this guide, the guide is this, this lady who's in front of everybody, and she turns around and she yells at me, and she's like, she's like, you got to kick them. She goes, you ain't going to hurt them, you got to kick them. And can I just tell you, if you've never been on a horse, your natural instinct isn't to kick it. <laughs> like, that wasn't the first thought that got my head, like, impartation, man from Snowy River, kick it. Fly. I'm like, I get on the horse, I'm like, he's huge, he's strong. He's not moving. He's doing whatever he wants, so I should just probably let him do whatever he wants so I don't die. <laughs> so it doesn't jump. This is a true story. And they, they go on ahead of us, and I kick him a little bit, pull the reins, get him to get on the path. But he's still just taking his sweet time. And people are walking, and the path goes up the mountain, up, higher, up higher. And we're going around this path that's not super wide, and you look off, and it's like the it's not like a rocky terrain and cutoff, but it is a mountain. And it is a steep cliff with brush and trees. Like, you're not going to make it if you fall off. And he's just kind of wondering. I'm like, he's suicidal. He's completely <laughs> suicidal. He hates me. This is it. He's jumping. I'm dead. It's over. It's crazy. This lady came up to me afterwards, and she's like, we literally just went there. And my daughter was like, I had that horse. I'm like, see? <laughs> It's true. Go to Pigeon Forge. Get that lady. Kick your horse. He won't do anything. So what's the point? The point is I have zero trust in horses because I've never been on one. 
So I have zero relational equity, no experience. So I'm having trouble trusting him. And I'm thinking, he probably doesn't trust me. He doesn't like me. He can sense all my fear and anxiety. But I don't trust him. So I haven't developed that. The bridge of faith is trust. So the question this morning is, how do we develop or grow our faith and trust in God? How do we develop or grow our faith and trust in God? I want to share a story. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Matthew chapter 8. If not, we'll throw it up on the screen. The title of this passage is The Faith of the Centurion. Matthew 8, 5 through 13. I'm going to read out of the ESV. So it's talking about Jesus. Verse 5, it says, When he had entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. Then verse 9, he says, for I too, everybody say I too. I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I say to one, go, and he goes. To another, come, and he comes. To my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. Verse 11, I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And to the centurion, Jesus said, go, let it be done as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. You know, the King James Version says, Jesus said, truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such great faith. It's talking about quantity and quality. There's no other passage in the Bible where Jesus responds like this. And, and it is kind of interesting when he says, truly I tell you, with no one in Israel, I don't know if you've ever heard this term, but I actually believe it. There's a term called replacement theology, and I think anytime the Bible talks about Israel, you can say that's me, because it was his chosen people. And I think when you choose Jesus, he chooses you. So, so, when it says Israel, you can be like the church. So Jesus is literally going, you know, I actually haven't seen this kind of faith in the church. So it makes me go, hey, is the church missing something? Can I help encourage? Can I receive something and get some revelation here to encourage? And, and, I, and you have to know this too. A centurion is a soldier with 100 soldiers under him. So he's a man of authority, but he's also under authority, as he mentioned. So he has 100 soldiers. I just think there's something, there's a principle I want to draw out today where we get to see, and as the church, we get to learn a bit from the military. Lord, I'm not even worthy to have you come under my roof. So number one, he addressed Jesus as Lord. This is a big deal. You know, and, I, and I, I'm really careful towing the line with this because I, I preach many messages. I believe I encourage a lot of people that Jesus is a friend. The Bible says Jesus is a friend that sticks closer to a brother. No greater life than this, that one lay down his life for his friends, John 15. So Jesus is obviously a friend, but I would draw a parallel and think of family. My dad is one of my best friends in the world, but he wasn't a friend before he was my father. So it was his position as my father that granted me access for the relationship to develop and grow. So I honored him as my dad, and our relationship grew. And I think this is a point for all of us that right off the bat, he doesn't say Jesus, he doesn't say friend, he doesn't say brother, he says, Lord. In other words, he's communicating to Jesus from a position of submission. And he's honoring him for the position of authority 
that he carries. So, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof. Only say the word, my servant will be healed. For I too, everybody say, I too, am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I say to this one, go, and he goes. This one, come, and he comes. This one, do this, and he does it. For I too am a man under authority. The greatest faith, I believe the greatest faith comes from knowing what you're under, not what you're over. The greatest faith comes from knowing your position in Christ. The Bible says you're seated in heavenly places with him, but he has to be Lord. He has to be Lord, you have to be servant, and then the relationship will develop, but it comes, the greatest faith comes from knowing your position underneath and your covering. And that's what Jesus is talking about. God releases authority to those that are positioned under authority. But here's what happens. I, I, think, I think we get hung up. I share this a lot. My dad always says that people don't go to church because they've been. In other words, people have been hurt by the church. People have had rough experiences with church, and they're like, I'm out. There's nowhere in the Bible that that gives you an excuse to stop going. And there's nowhere in the Bible, there's no scripture you can find that's like, well, stop submitting to authority because you've had some bad ones. The Bible just encourages you to pursue authority, to pursue a position of submission. And, and let me just help you. I shared this with first service. If you're in a relationship, say you're in a marriage and your husband is abusing you, not the Lord. If you're in a relationship where you're subjected to abuse, you have a release from God. You don't have to submit to abuse. That is not the same thing as submitting to authority. So authority that constantly abuses you, you don't have to submit to that. But you do have to pursue those relationships and pray about what is a healthy relationship. And I'll give you a practical tip. If you're looking spiritually to pursue a spiritual leader of authority, you should pursue one that's also under it. I know a lot of people, I have friends that are like, yeah, this person speaks into my life. They're amazing. There's this couple and they love God and they hear God. And I'm like, I believe that. 100%. There's tons of people that love God and hear God. But the Bible says you have many teachers, but not many fathers. And I think that, that it's this family dynamic that God's trying to portray is anybody that's an authority over you, you should ask them who's an authority over them. Because then you can just have, we all know it, but you could be a rogue Christian or person that's just chasing after God, and people say it all the time. Well, it's just me and Jesus. My relationship with God, that's all that matters. Intimacy with God, apart from community and submission, is false intimacy. We'll say it all the time. Well, I just love God. It's me and Jesus. Well, Jesus didn't say that. <laughs> so the guy that you're solely submitted to didn't say that. And then Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. But we get hung up because we've been hurt. We've been offended. We've gone through things. But can I just encourage you? You know, Tony, Pastor Braden's dad was even saying this, that people have to understand the benefits. They have to understand that, that the resources, the provision, the grace that comes. I always have this picture from this message I heard years ago called guardrails. That's such a healthy picture that God wants you to establish that guardrails on a highway are there to protect you and provide for you. So that if you drive the coastal highway one in California, the ocean's on the left and mountains are on the right and guardrail, guardrails are in between both. They're actually there to save your life. And so that's what authority is. They're there to resource you, to provide boundaries and protection and provision and principles and to help you advance. You don't get on a highway and go backwards. They're there to help you advance. But you have to understand this and you have to begin this process where you're like, you know what? 
I, I just know God is doing this today. We prayed this morning. I know God is just healing wounds from authority. He, there's, there's people, you've been a part of other churches, you've been a part of other groups, and things have happened, and some of you have actually experienced legit abuse. And God would say to you, that wasn't me. It wasn't me. So we have to process and go, okay, the scripture says, Romans 13, 1 through 2, this is Paul, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there's no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Does it say anywhere that authority is perfect? It doesn't even say all authority is Christian. All authority makes the right decisions. Some of you work in the marketplace. You work in business. You have bosses that aren't Christian. So you can't say, well, they're not Christian, so I don't have to submit. I don't have a scripture for that. All authority. Remember when the disciples, was it the disciples when people were processing like, well, there's taxes and Caesars and implementing these taxes. So who... What do you say? It was a religious leader. So they're like, what do you say? Should we, should we pay taxes? And Jesus is like, well, whose face is on the coin? Oh, that's the authority? Then yeah, you should do that. Pay to Caesar what is Caesar's. All authority is established by God. Here's the point. Authority is a system that God created. So you don't submit to authority because they're always right. You submit to authority because it's God's system and it's right. One clap. Now I'm excited. Thanks for holding out the whole time until right then. I'm just kidding. But seriously, we don't do it because they're right. There's no perfect authority. No one's going to make perfect decisions all the time. It's not about that. It's a system that God created. I believe the two times the Bible mentions an open heaven, there's only two times in Scripture, I think both of them are linked to authority and submission. You want an open heaven in your life? Jesus shows up on the scene when John is baptizing people. I'm baptizing, he said, I'm baptizing people with water for repentance to prepare the way for Jesus. Jesus comes in and John's like, it's him. <laughs> He's here. And Jesus is like, hey, will you baptize me? And John's like, what? He's like, no, 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 no. I know who you are. He's like, you should baptize me. And Jesus said, no, let it be so because I want to show people how to submit to man. You hear that, right? We're like, well, I'm submitted to God, and that's all that matters, except that God submitted to man. It does matter. Look, it's to benefit you. It's to empower you. There's a flow. I think Brayden and I have talked about this for years. I think it changed our ministry as I grew in that and submitted to him. He didn't lord it over me or ask it, but I'm like, you're in charge. You're the father of this house. How can I get in the flow? And God spoke to me just personally. I saw things happen in our ministry I'd never seen happen before. Because there's a flow when we, when we get in line with God's heart where he says, I haven't seen faith like this ever, even in the church. What if the church was like, man, who can I go to? So you say, well, what does it look like? What does it look like to submit to authority? When's the last time you reached out to somebody that you respect and asked for their opinion before you made a decision? If you haven't, you're not submitted. So when's the last time somebody in your life that you look up to that you respect that has integrity could say, hey, I think you should stop this and you would actually stop. Or hey, I think you should start this and you would actually start. It's what God does. He provides this system and this structure 
to support you, to empower you, and to release grace in your life. I joke, we joke about it all the time, but when I was taking the job here years ago, and I was in, I was, I had been dating my wife long distance, and we knew, we talked about marriage, we knew we were going to get married, I was almost 30 years old, and I was like, I know what I want, this is right, this is God, but her parents, I had only met them like one time, because I met Lindsay, moved to California, she moves to Michigan, and her parents are in Fort Worth, so it's kind of hard to spend time with them, we're both in schooling, so our relationship develops, I meet them like one time, help her move her stuff from Michigan, and I'm like, I'm about to move to Midland and take a job. Like, I'm not moving without a wife. You can't do that, right? If there's not that much to do in Midland, I got to get married. <laughs> so we're like, don't talk bad about Midland. Hey, I love Midland. Just saying. There's not a lot to do. But so, so anyways, I talked to Brayden on the phone and we're processing. I'm like, well, this is basically my new boss. And I'm processing with him. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. And he goes, well, all I know is when you put a ring on it, it's a game changer. And I'm like, Done. So it's kind of a joke, but it was like, it was a little bit of encouragement that I was like, I, there's, it's not something wrong in my heart. I got to I gotta speed this thing up. I don't really know her dad, so I proposed to her, and then I went straight to her dad after I proposed. I'm not actually suggesting that. I believe in chivalry, and sometimes things are done differently. It was a complicated situation, but he was like, I just wanted to be happy, Absolutely. You know, and it was this smooth thing. Maybe some of that grace was because I was trying to submit. Just saying it's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to reach out. And, and everybody, I, I know it gets really practical. Because people are like, what does that look like? You know, I've had people come up to me even after I preach the message. And they're like, I've never really thought of that. And I know I need that. Will you help? I'm like, sure. But just if you need some advice, just reach out. And sometimes it's like, ooh, you should, I'll connect them with Dean or a life group leader or another pastor or another person that I know is submitted. So if you're like, well, how do I go about this? If you want authority in your life, you reach out to an authority that's under authority. So you don't just go find anybody that loves God. There's a flow. And I think he wants to increase this in the church for your benefit. It's like everyone, you know, everyone can... Um, we can't have, as pastors, a relationship with every person in the church and be that. We wouldn't even have time. You know, so God establishes this system and structure. So you should pursue. If you're pursuing spiritual authority, you should pursue spiritual authority that is also under authority. So you say, sometimes it's literally as simple as honoring your boss. I don't know about if they're Christian. I don't, just honor them. Work hard. Submit to them. Ask them how you can help. Ask them for advice, their opinion. Just honor them. If you're a student, Honor your teachers. If you're an athlete, honor your coach. Oh my goodness, I wish someone would have told me that. Years ago, I'm like, what? the opposite of submission is what I did <laughs> back when I was an athlete. I'm like, someone could have helped me tremendously. So that's what I'm trying to do. I want to help you this morning. So the last question is, what's the goal? What's the goal? If, I, if I'm supposed to submit, I'm supposed to follow, I'm supposed to move from this island, this land, cross the bridge. I'm supposed to move from believing to following. What is the point? The point is that you would learn to follow now so you'd be a great leader later. Every great leader must learn to be a great follower. Not a great believer. It can't end there, but most of the church is filled with expert believers and subpar followers. 
well, yeah, I believe this, I believe that, this is what the scripture said. Like, who's in your life that's pouring into you that you're submitted to? We just don't talk about it. And I will say this, I do believe the generation before me was much better. I do believe there were some values and some family values and, and just in way of honor, the generation before me knew it better than we do. So that's why I'm trying to share with our generation. And please, for the sake of the kids, for the sake of the generation coming after this, we gotta get this right. We gotta get it right. Honor is a big deal to God. So the goal of following is that you would eventually be a great leader. The goal is that you would learn to follow Jesus so that you can lead others to do the same. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. You have to follow men and women. The goal is that you be a disciple that makes disciples. It's simple, but it starts with following. You have to move from believing to following. Amen. Let's pray this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your presence. We thank you for what you're doing in this place. Uh, thank you for your word. Just pray that you would you would impart things today that only you can do. Beyond words in the Bible, beyond words coming out of my mouth, that there would be spiritual impartation and revelation that people would catch. They wouldn't just know it, but they catch it and receive it. And that you would change hearts, that you would heal hearts that have had wounds from authority and people that, that have made excuses, even some of them being justified, that they would move past that barrier to find authority that they can submit to and honor. So I just pray that that would just break out in such a healthy, orderly way, even in our church, in this city, um, in the nation, and the nations of the world, Lord. So we just, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. Can we just thank Jesus for what he's doing? We hope you've enjoyed our podcast today. You can find out more about our ministry at RenewLifeChurch.com or on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Also, our app is available for download so that you can stay up to date. Again, we are so glad you joined us. If you're in the Midland-Odessa area, we invite you to come be our guest at one of our services. Have a great day, and we hope to see you soon.